The peace of Christ be with you. Let's give ourselves the gift of three deep breaths to be fully present to this place and our awareness open to the Spirit. Friends, let us worship the living God. Would you please stand for the call to worship? Let us not only pray for the Spirit's presence, but our own awareness of it. Open us Clear our minds of distraction, worry, and overwhelming thoughts. Ground us in the trust that you have something for us here. And our hymn this morning is 393, O Rest, O Day of Rest and Gladness. be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. It is certainly good to be with you this morning. 
If you're a visitor, a special welcome to you. I hope you were able to stop by our welcome table as you entered. If not, feel free to stop by on your way out with some more information about the church. I also invite you outside to our patio area after worship for coffee and tea and chance to get to know each other just a little bit better. So let's join together now in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Holy One, mysterious one, elusive one, present one, we seek to recognize you at work in the world and to join in. We also know the danger of those who claim to have a monopoly on the will of God. Forgive us if we have been too strident in certainty or negligent in our lack of awareness. Help us in community to share and discern together your movement and invitation for our participation. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, let us remember together the words of the God who created us, who formed us in God's own image. Do not fear, says God, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Truly, this is the good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now I'd like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Come on. I know some of you are here. Don't make me sit up here all by myself. Oh, Rob's here. Yay. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, look, some just came in. Come on down. All right. It's good to see you guys. Welcome. So today in Sunday school, you all who are on the younger side, who you guys who are second grade and younger, come on, just have a seat anywhere. Those of you who are in second grade and younger are going to hear a story about Jesus being baptized. And whenever I hear that story, I think about my own baptism, though I can't remember it because I was just a little bitty baby when I was baptized and I don't remember it, but my parents like to tell me about it. And the thing they like to tell me is that I cried throughout the whole thing. The whole thing from start to finish. I just cried and cried and cried. And, and I sometimes tell them, do you not have any other memories of my baptism? Something good and positive? Like, no, you just cried and cried. That's all we can remember. Oh, well, what can you do? So... Maybe the memories of my baptism aren't super wonderful, but it was still a wonderful moment, I'm sure. But I also like to remember Jesus' baptism, and I love to hear the story. And the part I love the most about the story is the very end. When Jesus comes out of the water after being baptized, there's a voice, a voice who says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Oh my goodness, I wonder how that moment felt for Jesus to hear that, to hear that he was God's beloved, loved unconditionally so much by God, and that God was pleased with him, not because he'd done anything. This was really before Jesus did any of the things that we know Jesus for. God was pleased with him simply because he was who he was, God's beloved child. And I love to remember that because that's a message not only for Jesus, but for each one of us. Now, I don't know if there was a voice from God at my baptism because apparently my parents only paid attention to my crying. <laughs> but whether or not there was, there probably was not. Still, 
as I was baptized, God was telling me that I'm God's beloved child, how much God loves me. And each and every day, God is telling me that. And you know what? He's telling you and 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 you that. Each and every day. And that's why I love this story of Jesus' baptism, because it's such a wonderful reminder of how beloved we are, how loved we are. Even if we cry through our entire baptism, we still are loved by God just for who we are. So I hope you'll remember that this week. Not only how loved you are, but how loved each and every one of us is. So you're going to head off to Sunday school and hear some more about that. If you're in second grade or younger, I see Sandra there with a sign. She's going to lead you out. If you're in third through fifth grade, Allison's right back there. She's going to lead you out to the library. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. And now is the time in our worship where we share with each other our joys and our concerns time when we can be in prayer with each other, be in prayer for our world. So if you have something to share, I invite you just to raise your hand and let us know. Oh, over here. Yes, Jim. All right, excellent. Well, welcome to you. It's good to have you back with us, visiting us every year, and welcome to you as well. Thanks for being in our choir this morning. Yeah, Clark. Uh, last, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, Lucy and I were privileged to go to Mimi Cross's uh, glorious soprano, uh, and we attended her 90th birthday. Oh, wow. At least that's what she claims, but I'm so we celebrate with Mimi Cross, who is often in our choir, who uh, had her 90th birthday. Yeah. Others? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prayers for your dad recovering from double bypass surgery. Someone over here. Joe. So Joe shares about her husband, Steve, who has been on a journey with cancer, was having immunotherapy treatments that weren't working. So he's stopped that and will likely return to chemo treatments. And prayers for you and Steve during these next several weeks and months. Others? Yeah, Elizabeth. Yes, thank you. She, uh, Elizabeth offers prayers for those in the federal government who are not receiving prayer, paychecks right now, just prayers for them day to day. If I can lift up my uh, sister's husband, who was one of those being affected by this shutdown. So thank you. Others? I think he tried to sneak in unnoticed, but I want to give a welcome to Ted Bayer, who is sitting in the back pew, longtime Westminster member who has moved to Oregon, but is back visiting it is a joy to have you with us today, Ted. Yeah. All right, let's take a few moments in quiet, and then I will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let's be in prayer together. God of grace, we praise you for your wisdom, compassion, strength, and love. We thank you for choosing to walk among your people in all the circumstances of our lives. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
The scripture reading this morning is Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. But now, thus says the Lord, the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, he says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. I give people in return for your life. I give nations in exchange for you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, Do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. It's a breathtaking statement of divine solidarity, is it not? These beautiful words you just heard. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. This is how a particular people at a particular time, ancient people of Israel, heard the voice of God, sensed the work of this mysterious one in their midst, in their world, in very real ways. And all of it begs one important question. Where else? Where else does this God speak, this spirit move, this way be made? You see, it's sort of a strange thing we do at church each week, come together. If all we are here to do is recall ancient words about an ancient people and their experiences of this mysterious one, about whom our words can only come marginally close. You could reduce it to history or myth history, if you will, maybe even archaeology, if we just say that it only happened then to them. What about now? What about we who are here in this place, in this world, Do we, too, catch glimpses of this one working in our midst? And can we join in in that work? Now, I know that raises all kinds of questions. Maybe we've encountered people in person or in the public sphere who seem to have an all-too-comfortable relationship with the divine and seem to know exactly what he, usually he in these cases, but he or she wants. Those people make us nervous. Maybe rightfully so. Of course, that's why we have each other in community to hold people's testimonies accountable, to keep each other in check. And yet we must tell these stories of the glimpses we catch. Maybe that's the most important thing we can do as followers of the risen Christ. When I was in seminary, I had a New Testament professor who said, I don't know why we have sermons every week. Don't get any ideas. 
he said, why can't we all just sit around and share where we saw the risen Christ in the world in the past seven days? What an idea. At the heart of it was the conviction is of that the risen Christ really is at work in the world every seven days. Not just in the fires and not just in the waters, though hopefully so. But see, most of life is lived in between the fire and in between the flooding. And how does God show up then? And maybe glimpses are all we have, and so all the more reason to share them when we catch them. So that's what we're going to do today. You hear from me plenty. You're going to hear from some of you. A couple of members of this congregation sharing how they have seen the movement of the Spirit or sensed something larger going on, either larger from beyond or larger emerging from within an individual or a group of people, or coincidences that seem too holy to be matter of mere luck. You judge for yourself. Some churches, they call this testifying, offering testimonies. We don't use that word much in a church such as this. So maybe we call it storytelling. What I call it is a set of signs, evidence perhaps, that God still is speaking, working, moving, extending the promise made to the people of ancient Israel to the people right here. You'll hear from Mark Sachs and Polly Chandler and make of it what you will. Thanks. I, I think with this group, I should probably introduce myself as Judy Sachs's husband. Uh, so in, in 2003, I, I started a nonprofit that provides new reading glasses to people in developing countries. And since that time, we've helped more than 12 million people leave better and more productive lives. But I want to tell you about a situation that happened just last October when I was on a mission trip myself down in uh, Mexico. It was a series of events not specifically connected that somehow uniquely all came together to tell an amazing story, I think. Um, so what happened first is we took optometrists on the trip. We, we don't usually take optometrists because reading glasses uh, as any of you have seen in CVS, you just pick them up, you try them on, and you find the right one. So optometrists aren't needed, and, and the story that we like to tell our partners is you don't really need an eye care professional to go on this trip with you to help hundreds of people. But the partner that we were working with said, would you please take a couple optometrists from our, uh, our company uh, down on a mission trip with you? I said, sure. The other thing that happened is a group came to us and said, we think it would be a great idea if you guys took minus power glasses. So minus power glasses are for, uh, for distance. And as it turns out, people in developing countries tend not to be uh, nearsighted. They tend to be farsighted. People in developed countries tend to be nearsighted. So probably all of you are nearsighted. So, <clears throat> so my feeling was, Gosh, um, glasses for distance, there probably aren't going to be that many people that, that really need them. It complicates our message uh, and our missions, and uh, I don't know. And they said, well, w would you be willing to just try it? I said, okay, we'll, we'll try. We'll take some minus power glasses down with us. And so we went down with the minus power glasses and the optometrists, and we set out on a trip. We, we started in uh, Valladolid, which is in the Yucatan area of Mexico, and then we did a, a quick day trip out to a small Mayan village where we set up our table and started dispensing. So, as it turned out, this woman came to this dispensing table and she brought her 28-year-old daughter who had Down syndrome. And this young lady, this 28-year-old woman, just um, w was basically inarticulate. She, she would just kind of, uh-huh, laugh a little bit, but... That was it. And her mother asked if the optometrist would examine her and see if maybe she needed glasses. So 
So here's uh, the optometrist uh, examining her. Now, we came down with the Midas glasses, and we had the, the giant E chart where you cover one eye. Well, as it turned out, she was so nearsighted that the giant E chart wouldn't work for her. In fact, her prescription was a minus 10, which basically means that anything beyond two inches from her nose, was, couldn't, she couldn't see anything. So she was limited in her visibility to about two inches. And you could actually see it in her eyes because if you looked at her eyes, they would just go ping, ping, ping. They, they didn't know where to go. And so they did the exam and they found out that she was a, uh, a minus 10. Well, we didn't have minus 10 glasses with us, but we did have minus five. So we, uh, we found some minus five and uh, they fit her with the glasses. And an amazing thing happened. It was like a magic trick because her eyes suddenly focused and she was looking at you. And you can see her reaction to finally seeing the world. Uh, almost, well, she could see across the room, um, which was like a big deal. And as it turned out, one of our other uh, volunteers is herself a minus 10. And she agreed to send her glasses down to this woman. But the other thing that was amazing is this woman all of a sudden started talking. And she was just chatting away in, I don't know if it was Mayan or Spanish, uh, neither of which I speak, but um, she was just chattering away. And, and her mother was amazed. And of course, we were all amazed and, and practically in tears. And some of us were in tears. And, and it was just such an amazing thing that, you know, if, if it had been a normal mission and we hadn't had optometrists, or we hadn't had minus power glasses, or we hadn't gone to that particular small Mayan village, and this woman had not brought her daughter to see if perhaps she needed um, glasses. None of this would have happened, but, but it all did. It all came together, and to my mind, I, I, I call it a Mayan miracle, that it all just seemed to happen and make such a difference in the life of this one particular woman. I'm the 8.30 service, so I don't know a lot of you, but I am grateful to be here. So I'm going to tell two stories. One happened quite a while ago, and one that happened just last month. So the story a while ago takes place in the Swarthmore Meeting House where I was a practicing Quaker in Philadelphia. If you haven't been to a Quaker meeting before, it is a meeting in silence. People come in in silence and leave in silence. And there's no, none of these kinds of structures around. It's this silent worship, right? And the idea is that there's this light in all of us. And when the light... If you pay attention to it, it will come out, and then it may be worth sharing. There may be something you want to share with everybody else. And some meetings are completely silent. Sometimes one person will see. So I was sitting there with all the other members of the meeting, and this gentleman stood up. He clearly had something he wanted to say. And it was a very politically charged time. And he was using very aggressive language, loud language, judging language, and he, get, he got more and more agitated with his body and his language. He was clearly getting angry, and then he started judging other people, and then he started judging Quakers for their pacifism. But what happened was what was most miraculous, if you want to use that word, is one by one, all of us who were members came around him in a series of circles, 70 of us, and just embraced him with our light. We didn't touch him, we didn't touch each other, but we let the light surround him. And at first he was physically irritated and agitated, and then he settled. He sat down, he got quiet, and the rest of us went and sat down also. One of those moments I'll never forget. It was one of those moments that I hope you have, where you bring your light with other people and shine it on somebody else. Shine it collectively. And see how you can shift the outcome when you bring your light together. 
Now, my second story is much different. And this was when someone saw the light in me. So about every other week, I go down to L.A., and I do work down there. I fly in Thursday morning, and I come out Fridays, right? For those of you who do this, you know that Friday night, downtown L.A., trying to get to LAX and into SFO, it's a bad time to travel, all right? So I find myself walking across the hotel lobby, getting ready for this journey through the traffic and the noise. I put my backpack on, and coming towards me is this very handsome African-American gentleman with this black suit and a black shiny vest and a red bow tie and a little boutonniere. And he's coming walking towards me. And as he comes toward me, I just, I look at him and I just smile and I say, well, you look fantastic. And he stops dead in his tracks and he kind of looks at me and is like, well, thank you. And then he says, what a smile. We pass, right? So we go on our way, and as we're walking, I'm getting ready to go out to this curb where it's noisy and honking and people, and we're all, like, getting ready to grab our taxis and our lifts and our buses or whatever. And there he is again, sitting on the bench. So I walk up to him, and I say, so we meet again. I'm waiting for my lift ride, and he says, oh, I'm waiting for my riders. And I smiled at him. And then he paused, and he looked me right in the eyes, and he starts singing to me. And he says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's singing to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Here on the sidewalks of L.A., I join him. Together, amidst all this Friday night craziness, we're singing to each other, looking at the light within and the light around us. Whew, we finished, and I turned to him, and I said, Thank you. That was such a wonderful experience. I really appreciated it. My phone goes off. His phone goes off, and we turn to our phones, and we go, I look at him, and I go, my Lyft driver's late. I'm going to be a little late. He goes, oh, my riders are late. I'll be a little late. <laughs> Stand on the edge of the curb, look out, and you just kind of look through everybody in the crowd. And, and then I felt the light inside of me just really shine, really amazingly shine. I turned to him and looked at him in the eyes and said, Amazing grace, how sweet. And then he joined me. And we sang together amidst the craziness again. In the pause of our life, two strangers never met, may never meet again. We saw the light in each other. When we finished, he said, so what is your name? And I said, it's Polly. And we, he kind of looked at me and he goes, so you know my brother King? And I said, yes, I do know your brother King. And he turned to me and he said, you're one of us. And I said, yes, I am one of you. And then he turned to all the other African-American men on the curb who were hailing cars and every, and he shouted over all this noise and said, hey, our sister Polly's here. Say hello to Polly. And so as I'm getting in my lift car, bye, sister Polly. So I get in my car and I just have this like feeling of this deep gratitude for the moment, a connection with people I probably will never see again, but just that amazing power of the light within and the light around me. 
I hope you have that experience someday. But right now, what I want you to do is look deep inside of you, look for that light. It could be just a tiny flicker. It could be a beacon. But right now, I want you to just be quiet and look for it. Take a breath. Honor your light. I see your light. I see your light. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Israel, then, only, or we who are here now, too. Look, listen, act, and share. Amen.
You may be seated. Here in this new year, we have lots of stuff going on here at the life of the church, and I invite you to take a look at the bulletin and get involved in the ways that make the most sense for you. I want to highlight just a few things that are coming up. First, many of you had the opportunity to hear Jordan Decker preach here last week. He's back uh, this time for an after-worship class. I love, Jordan, how you describe yourself, an accidental activist uh, who connects matters of faith, spirituality, and gender identity. He'll be sharing a little bit more of his own journey, also sharing a little bit more about his trans heartline ministry that he's beginning here in Marin. So you're invited into Finley Hall to hear more from Jordan. And then the last Saturday of this month, the 26th, our Spiritual Life Commission is hosting a retreat from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be facilitated by Rua Bull on Growing in God, a Lifelong Journey. Uh, You certainly are invited. Lunch will be provided. Pat O'Neill is over here somewhere. There she is. She is taking your RSVPs. It's helpful if you can let her know in advance if you plan to come so they can provide lunch for you. Uh, In two weeks, on the 27th, we will be having our annual congregational meeting. It'll be immediately following this 10 o'clock service. Uh, We'll uh, take a look at the budget that the session has passed. We'll vote on clergy compensation. We will vote to uh, elect our new church officers. Uh, All sorts of different things happen at this annual meeting. You are certainly invited and encouraged to attend on the 27th. The final Tuesday of January, which is the 29th, we're going to be helping to provide a meal for the street chaplaincy. The meal will happen up at First Presbyterian San Rafael. There's a sign-up out in the narthex. If you would be willing to provide some food for that meal, you're welcome to sign up on the board out there. Uh, It is not too early to start planning, if, if this makes sense for you, our women's retreat Uh, It's going to be the final weekend of March. There are sign-up sheets on a table out in the narthex. It'll be our second annual. Um, So certainly, if you would like to attend that, you are welcome to come. And one more that's not in the bulletin, uh, but in mid-March, March March 14th and 15th, um, some students from Carroll College are going to be in the area on their spring break doing some service work. Um, And they're looking for some host families where they might be able to spend the night Again, it's March 14th and 15th, college students. If that's something that you might be willing to do, host a student or two at your home on those dates, um, please let one of us know and we can give you some more details about that. All right, and now as you are comfortable, I invite you to stand for our closing hymn. That's number 177.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen.